Welcome to the Dance Floor Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things ballroom. Today, I am very fortunate to have as my guest, my good friend, Tiffany Sullivan. Hello, Tiffany. Hi, Lauren. And welcome to the Dance Floor Ballroom Podcast. Today's episode is called Let's Talk About Sex. And that is a very titillating title for a podcast (laughs) episode. We kind of came up with it together. Tiffany thought this was a really good title for what we're going to talk about today. And we have some advice for dancers out there who may be struggling with a couple of things in their dancing. But before we get into that, Tiffany, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, So I've been dancing since I was very, very young. Um, I started with uh, ballet, which was a little bit more cut and dried. Um, And I switched over to ballroom when I was 12. And so going from age 12 um, as an amateur into being an adult now as a professional, kind of been through all the different types of connections and problems and learning how to express that sexuality. You've seen behind the curtain and in front of the curtain. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I um, worked through all of that emotional trauma of having to portray a certain character, um, won a U.S. championship in American Rhythm as an amateur when I was 18, and then immediately started teaching, which opened up a whole other side of this thing that we're talking about today. So So I feel like that definitely gives you a unique perspective as a professional because you have been a student as well. Absolutely. Even though you were younger, you still have sort of that empathy in a different way than, so for, for me, I was only ever a professional instructor and I never mm-hmm. competed pro-am or danced pro-am. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that I'm losing a little bit of that empathy with students and understanding sort of like, okay, I, I know where you're coming from on a personal level, but not necessarily from that element of, hey, I've been there and I've done that. Whereas I think that you have that unique perspective for people, which is really cool. It, honestly, it comes up a lot. And um, my, my dance partner, Jonathan, has me coach his women a lot. And a lot of times he'll step out for a second and I'll just have a conversation with them. Like, hey, st- student to student, I remember what this is like and I know how taxing this can be. And right. so we get to work through some of it while... Um, because he, he, just like you, he was never a student, really. So, And that makes a big difference mm-hmm. because, in a way, too, they can't give you any excuses. Right. You were like, nope, sorry, I had to deal with that. Yep. I got through it, so here we go. I remember that, and it sucked, but we moved past it. So we have kind of this unique topic for today's episode. We, we're calling it Let's Talk About Sex, but it's because a lot of people have sort of this struggle with portraying sexuality or emotion, whatever you want to think of it as, on the dance floor. And there's two main reasons for that. One may be because you feel a little too connected to your partner, whether it's your professional partner or whether it's your student or teacher. And the other reason may be that you feel a little too disconnected from your partner. And we kind of wanted to address that today. Definitely. So we have our top nine pieces of advice for you on how to deal with that struggle of portraying these dances on the floor, dealing with attraction or the lack thereof. And obviously these points are all going to be different depending on whether you're talking about competing in competitions or performing in showcases. That's really where we're focusing on. Um, social dancing is a whole other animal that right. I think Lauren's going to deal with another day. Yeah, and it, and it can also be a case-by-case basis. So you don't ha- if you have multiple partners, if you have a teacher you dance with and an amateur you dance with, or if you're a professional and you also have to dance with your students, it's, it's a different relationship with every person. A hundred percent. So that kind of brings us into our first point. All of these pieces of advice we're going to give you, you can kind of pick and choose from them. Maybe there's one that's really going to help you with your dancing. Maybe you'll like all nine. So kind of take that into consideration. Our first piece of advice on how to connect and dance is feeling yourself. So what we meant by that is that you don't necessarily have to worry about connecting with your partner. No, that sounds like a crazy thing to say because ballroom dancing <laughs> literally by definition is dancing with a partner, Two right? Two people dancing is one. Two yep. people dancing is one. But sometimes if you, like let's say you've just started dancing recently, maybe you don't know your teacher or your professional partner that well. It's really hard to create a connection with someone that mm-hmm. quickly. So maybe it's a little bit more about feeling yourself and connecting with something in yourself in the dance. Absolutely. Uh, so when it when it's still not when it's still not feeling right, you have to kind of look inward and recognize that you're you're very 
privileged to have that opportunity to be moving in that way. And you can find that activity within yourself. But that does bring us kind of into our second point. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm, Which is finding your focus. Um, And that focus can be direct, indirect, or internal, right? So that internal thing is what we were just talking about. Finding yourself, enjoying that movement. Um, It's when your teacher tells you to put your hand on your own body and react to that. Yeah, exactly. And it's one of those things where we we automatically assume because we are dancing with a partner that we have to find them attractive or we have to find something about them that we're sexually drawn to. And that's just one way to communicate the dance. So as Tiffany was saying, you've got these different points of focus. I've also heard a coach call it Broadway audience and partner, like <laughs> which fun. is cute too. <laughs> uh, so basically in finding your focus, you pick something specific to focus on so that you're not so worried about what's happening around you. If you know in each point of your routine, and I know it sounds kind of crazy to think about choreographing your focus, but it is really, really important. So helpful. Isn't it funny? A lot of times we don't think about that in dance. We just think, okay, I've got this move, this move, this move. But actually knowing where you're looking and where you're focusing at different points in your routine can make you more connected to your partner. Definitely. And and you need to have that, that verbal conversation, whether it's a a pro relationship, a pro-am relationship, or an amateur relationship of, again, what I was talking about earlier, if something just doesn't feel right, talk about, okay, well, my focus is internal here. If theirs is then also internal or indirect, it could just be completely disconnected. Right. Yeah. We're both having a moment. A moment alone. (laughs) But then it's like, oh, there's two souls. internal and your partner's noticing that and being direct at you, that can be very, very cool. Right. So there's just uh, all these different combinations and no choice is necessarily wrong. Right. Just you have to go through and find those moments. Yeah. I mean, if you go through your routines and decide, okay, am I going to look out at the audience? Am I going to look at my partner? Am I just going to kind of feel myself in this moment? You are going to be so freaking busy (laughs) that you're not even going to be able to think about anything else. Exactly. And then how it's going to look externally. And I think we're going to touch on this more later, but. It'll get that look that you're going for without you having to enter that headspace. Just by finding your focus, it's going to create a certain picture that you're looking for. Yeah, and that's just one way to sort of portray a picture that you're trying to communicate to the people that are watching you. Mm -hmm. Our third point or a third piece of advice on how to sort of get this look on the dance floor that you want is connecting with the music. Now, this kind of brings us to an interesting point in that for competitions, unfortunately, we don't get to choose our music. You don't know what you're getting. That's actually probably, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of challenging things about competitions, but for me as a dancer, that's one of the most challenging because I'm such a baby. I pout. If I have (laughs) to dance to a song I don't like, it's just the worst. I, yeah, I have to tell you, when I switched over from ballet to ballroom and my, my teacher first asked me to do a competition, I was like, okay, all right, what, what song are we going to do? And the, <laughs> and the look he gave me, he was so confused. He didn't know what I was talking about. And when he told me, oh, no, they'll just play something, I, it scared me it's half insane. to hell. Like, it's so crazy <laughs> it's so when you bizarre. really think about it. Whenever I talk to competitions, or sorry, specifically ballroom competitions to friends of mine that are dancers, and they're like, well, well, well what, do you, what do you mean? Don't you choose your music and then you dance to it? And I'm like, no, we're on the floor with other couples. We all have to dance at the same time, and we don't know what song they're going to play. And they're like, well, what? what? So you just have a cha-cha locked and loaded? And I'm like, yes. That's yep. exactly what happens. Yep. <laughs> and no, really no other dance style is like that. I mean, yeah. you'll, you'll every once in a while get an improv moment in a contemporary ballet class, but that's in class. That's not on stage. So it's, it's a really unique situation. Yeah. And it really makes you a very strong dancer in a lot of ways because you have to portray these emotions to music that you might hate or have never heard before, which is really insane. And not only music that you might hate, but music that maybe has a really emotional oh my God. resonance with you. A really bad memory or a sad memory, mm-hmm. something traumatic. Uh, we were talking about like breakup songs. <laughs> yep. Like if you, if you had a significant other and you broke up with them and then out of nowhere just smacks you in the face, this song that has all these emotional ties. We had a girl, and, and I'll keep the names private, but we had a girl who um, used to dance with her 
romantic partner. And um, so that relationship had ended and then that partnership ended and um, she decided to continue her dance journey and, um, and was dancing pro-am and it was a, uh, it was a Viennese waltz, which is, is the last dance in the heat. And she was doing so well. And this Viennese came on. It was kind of a weird niche song. Like you wouldn't be expecting Like it. kind of random, not it like a traditional totally one. totally out of the blue. And it was, it was their song and she just crumbled. It oh. was, it, and, and I just saw the panic in her teacher's eyes. He was just, oh shit, this is the worst <laughs> timing <laughs> ever. And uh, yeah, it just, so how to deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. So if, Unfortunately, we can't control the music that we get for competitions, but if connecting with your partner or finding sort of that story with your partner is something that you find challenging, try sort of taking a look at the music that you dance to. So a really great way to do this is with showcases. Mm -hmm. Now, I feel like even when I started dancing, people were a lot more, especially at the studio that I was at, people were a lot stricter with, this isn't a traditional cha-cha, you can't dance to it. And I feel like nowadays people are much more open. It's definitely opened up. Yeah, like you can hear a song that's very lyrical and you're like, well, it could be a bolero, it could be a foxtrot, it could be a waltz, like you could make it whatever Mm -hmm. you want. So don't feel set back by thinking, well, the music I listen to is not ballroom music. And there was actually, as as Lauren and I were hanging out earlier talking about this, um, a a big word that kept coming up was rumba because rumba is so sexy and it's so sensual and and it can be uncomfortable depending on who you're dancing with, but it definitely doesn't have to be. And um, I, I mentioned a couple of students that I've been working with lately who are both wonderful young women, 14, 15 years old, and um, both studying international Latin. And one of them wanted to do an international rumba, and we weren't really ready to breach that with her yet. So what we did is we did a, a song from Moana, which was a gorgeous international rumba, and they they found this great character where she was the girl and and her teacher was the water. So it was that kind of a really such a cool interpretation, beautiful interaction, and it still had that that emotional gut punch of rumba without the sex. And on the flip side of that, I was dealing with another student who, a, another young girl, and um, she was trying to pick a song for our showcase. We're kind of in showcase mode, so I'm talking about that a lot. (laughs) But she kept giving me songs that I felt like she thought I wanted to hear, you know, Mambo Number 5 and other, like, Because that's what we think of ballroom dancing. We have these, like, very set boundaries for it. Mm -hmm. And and she ended up giving me this song after after I kind of talked to her for a little while, like, what do you listen to when you're at home? Oh, no, my music's too weird. (laughs) Like, no, give me weird. That's what I want. Yeah. And um, she came out with some really interesting stuff, and and it gave me an opportunity to figure out who she was, and it really is going to shape that choreography. And if you're not, if you're trying to embody someone that you're not by listening to music that's not you, you're just making it harder on yourself. Yeah, you want you to it comes own through. It. Mm-hmm. You want that feeling to be genuine, and I think a lot of people feel like there are these really set boundaries for what ballroom is like cha-cha has to be flirty and playful rumba has to be sexy swing Mm -hmm. has to be bouncy and Mm -hmm. fun and we have these boxes that we do put each of the dance styles in but connecting with the music that you really like can really make you feel a lot more comfortable when you're dancing too which is which is really amazing that to me is the the big benefit for showcase obviously i think competition is very important if that's your goal Um, But that's the really beautiful thing about showcasing. As we were talking about before, really choreographing your focus and and making sure. I've talked to a lot of, you know, people that make the top six at nationals. And if you watch them do their routine every single time, they will point in the same direction at the same time, six times in a row. They will wink at the same time, (laughs) six times in a row from the quarterfinals to the final. Um, And that even kind of ties us back into finding your focus. Yeah. But in a way where it connects to the music. Absolutely. And then, you know, God forbid, you do wind up with a song that used to be yours and your ex's or a song that you just absolutely fucking hate. 
at least you'll have something to fall back on, some consistency, some focus. Definitely. All right. So that's going to walk us into our fourth point. And um, sorry, not sorry, but our fourth point is just don't be a prude. Don't be a prude. <laughs> um, and, you know, that sounds harsh, but... And we're so like... We're, <laughs> like <laughs> so, so Tiffany and I were talking about this. We're like trying to dance around this and not like offend people. But at the same time, physically touching another human being is kind of a part of what ballroom dancing yeah. is. Yeah, so this actually came up when um, Lauren and I were at a, at a casual lunch and we've both spent some time in Europe and it, and it just is so validating how sometimes allergic to human connection um, American people are. And, and it's... It's true. I, I So a little background about me, I was homeschooled and placed right out of the gate before I can remember in a ballet studio and um, our teachers were were not Americans and, and so right away you got exposed to a whole variety of people people a that culture were shock. yeah straight <laughs> gay European American whatever <laughs> and and <laughs> I love how it goes straight gay European because <laughs> it's its own category really <laughs> for sure uh, and then when I was more socialized and I realized that touching people was weird it kind of took me back like why does this mean something why are you reacting to this a a kiss hello and a kiss goodbye from a platonic friend or a business partner is not uncommon yeah we do tend to assign way too much meaning to to physical touch and physical connection Uh, so you know and and everyone has you know coming into ballroom dance you're all coming into it from your own perspective of what you're comfortable with But there is just sort of this understanding that you are going to be physically touching your partner. You can set the boundaries for what you're comfortable with, obviously. But that is sort of the magic of that. We'll we'll talk about boundaries later. We obviously don't want to um, hurt anybody. But there's this idea of just acknowledging that something chemical happens when you touch another person, whether that's a hug or that's why dance. babies have to be held. It's skin to skin contact. Yeah. It's so important. And I and I think I really feel as a society we're 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 lacking that. And that could probably be a whole different podcast. But um there there's a reason why this business stays, why ballroom stays, is you as a client get to walk in somewhere where someone is clean and kind and pays attention to you and touches you yeah in a safe way and and we need that human touch so if you're struggling with awkwardness and oh my teacher's older than me oh my teacher's younger than me oh I, my teacher's like my big brother this is weird or, or maybe I have a little crush on my teacher mm-hmm. and so I don't want to act like this because it's inappropriate and I know nothing's going to happen it's okay to embrace that that really lovely feeling of physically moving well with another person. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think it is important for us to learn as people that physical touch doesn't have to mean romance. It can, for sure. But it also is just a really, really important part of how we interact and connect with other humans, which is really cool. So if we can kind of destigmatize that a little bit and take sort of that taboo out of touching another person, I think that can be huge. It, it can definitely be huge. And as far as your own dancing goes, that embrace of that touch yeah it's going to help you with the emotional component which is kind of what we're focusing on today but we can't forget that sometimes you need a really intense connection to pull off three spins in a row or an upside down split (laughs) or whatever you need to find that and if you're awkward and scared of it that move is going to fail yeah and a lot of trust comes into play with that I love Mm -hmm. how you said physically touched in a safe way because I feel like for a lot of professionals and and teachers they really know how the body works and moves people that do martial arts and other forms of dance they they have such an awareness of their body and communicating to them what you're comfortable with and also just understanding that that's part of some of the things that you have to be able to do physically to achieve sort of these tricks or lifts or even just complicated turns like you mentioned that's just a huge part of the dance so sort of just embracing the fact that physical connection is a part of dancing can sometimes make it feel a little less intimidating i'm kind of laughing right now as as lauren's talking i completely agree with everything she just said but as a student one of my favorite things to do was was theater arts mm-hmm. right so those of you that don't know me I'm, I'm about five foot one um you're the most liftable dancer <laughs> in the world <laughs> so my favorite thing was to do showcases with you know maybe larger partners who could lift me up and 
And those lifts, as awesome as they look in competitions, they do not work the first time. Oh, my gosh. I I can't imagine. (laughs) And a lot of times when you're learning these tricks, if you fall out of it, sorry, but your partner's choice is to let you break your neck or grab your ass. Right. And afterwards, I've been very lucky. I've had a lot of really wonderful, wonderful men as dance partners. But afterwards, without fail, they all go, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I wasn't trying. (laughs) I'm like, seriously? I'd way rather you grab me. You just saved my life. (laughs) Than me be out of work for six months because I broke my leg. And and that's become even more prevalent now that I teach. And I've I've had some very talented students that have, you know, buckled down and, and gone through the emotional trauma of throwing their teacher over their head and it does go wrong and sometimes stuff gets grabbed and it just is what it is and you have to be able to look at that as this is a sport and if he didn't do that I might have broken my neck yes right within reason you obviously still have to protect yourself and if it happens 27 times you may have a conversation (laughs) then you need to have a different conversation with them but even to the guys that are listening to this you know like give yourselves a break like it's a close contact sport if you're just trying to partner well it's not always going to go right the first time yeah that's a really good point and obviously always communicate what you're comfortable with Mm -hmm. because that's a huge part but we would definitely rather have our asses grabbed or our boobs grazed (laughs) than be broken legged on the floor (laughs) And, and that's one thing that um my professional dance partner and i always talk about and it's it's what was your intention yeah and it's on a personal level and this dancing stuff gets so personal and if you had a good intention, hey, I didn't want to drop you, mm-hmm. that's that's one thing. And so the only time that you can really get upset is when there's a bad intention. And to right. try to really look at it that way and not emotionally react. Okay, moving on to piece of advice number five is pick a story for the dance style. Mm-hmm. We're not all actors, right? But we're coming to... Uh, sort of a creative expression when we're doing ballroom dancing. And one of the things that I always thought was interesting is trying to find a story behind the dance style. Now, this one is actually kind of cool because it works for competitions or for showcases. Mm -hmm. And when we say dance style, we mean the literal dance like waltz, cha-cha, foxtrot, whatever. The stereotypical things, you know, we've mentioned rumba a lot. That's sort of like the bedroom dance, right? (laughs) That's sort of the stereotype. Waltz is sort of the princess dreamy dance. But... Just because that's what maybe people have described it as in the past, that doesn't mean that that has to be your interpretation of that dance style. I was talking to a friend of mine just recently, Natasha, who does coaching for a student that dances with her teacher. Now, one of the things that's kind of interesting is this young woman dances with a teacher who's quite a bit older than her. He's in his um, Mm mid-60s. And she said to Natasha that it was really hard for her to portray these emotions with her teacher because she doesn't feel that way about him. But I mean, let's face it, how many of us actually feel that way for our partner? You know, you, you, you don't always have the luxury of feeling romantic for your partner. In fact, I danced professionally with my husband, and a lot of times I was super pissed off at him the day we had to dance. <laughs> so you can't always rely on having a genuine romantic connection with your partner in order to portray that on the floor. Natasha's advice to this student was, okay, let's say, for instance, let's take a waltz. Instead of thinking of it as this prince and princess kind of dance, take the characters out of the story. And what do you just think of the dance? Natasha actually thinks of the waltz as if she's walking through a forest alone. Just super beautiful. So don't necessarily feel like your dance story has to be something that connects to a partner or has to be traditional at all. Uh, And with that, not only does it not have to be, it almost shouldn't be. Right. We don't know how many of you have experienced a competition, but on the the backstage of a competition, these judges, especially if you're dancing bronze, they have been watching. There's a limited number of figures that you can oh do. Oh, my gosh, yeah. They've been watching variations on the same hours, 15 steps for like five, six hours, and... One Okay, so when I was growing up, I danced with um, alongside a lot of other really very talented young women. We had a, we were very lucky in that. Um, and my best friend, uh, Shannon, she was just my complete polar opposite. So while I was kind of a ballet-trained robot, and if they told me to scowl during tango, I was going to scowl during tango. <laughs> a ballet robot, I love that. <laughs> 
she just didn't have that. She wasn't held. She wasn't stuck at all. She was just unabashedly herself, and she still is to this day. And and I'll never forget, I would watch her compete, and she would go and do tango, and she had the biggest smile on her face. And it it was almost a smirk. It was a little sexy. It was a little angry, but it was a big, toothy smile. And you could see these judges at 9.30 in the morning when they'd been watching Bronze Tango for two hours, all of a sudden, oh, my God, someone's smiling, and they mean it. They'd turn and look at her. So not that you should plaster on a fake smile just so you want to be different than everyone else, but when you really own who you are and apply your own narrative to these things, it can actually set you apart. Yeah. And looking different is huge because I mean, let's face it. One of the hardest things about competing in ballroom is that it's completely subjective. I mean, yeah, technical things, timing, musicality, all of that is going to be black and white, right or wrong kind of stuff. But how you interpret the dance is completely your own thing. So if you're seeing tango as more of this like fun, flirty kind of sassy thing and everyone else is seeing it as this like intense, angry emotion, whether the judges like it or not, they're going to look at you just for the pure fact that you're doing something different. And like you said, genuine, that's just who she was. And whether or not they liked it, it, it drew the attention. And the hardest part about competing is what is it? A minute and 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. If you've got 10 couples on the floor, you're you lucky better. if you get 20 seconds of attention. Yeah. So you better find that attention. However you can. Yeah, so maybe kind of go through the list of dances in your head and say, for instance, you know, you think of swing and you think of it as, oh, it's supposed to be this bubbly, fun, silly dance. But maybe you're a very serious person. Maybe Mm -hmm. you don't really connect with that sort of personality. I don't. I know that. I I do not. (laughs) So like, how would you interpret swing? So swing to me, I, I really love swing. And my favorite thing is when people come to me, and this happened to me this week, and like, I want to do a swing showcase, but I don't want to do a typical swing. And there's so many songs that are that are swing. And East Coast swing can be like rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Like Muse has a lot of East Coast swings. Um, so to me, swing is like that cool, I feel like that cool girl that's wearing ripped up jeans. and Leather a, jacket. Yeah. And very earthy, very grounded. Badass. And you got to find that grounded action into the floor and then if your song that comes on at the competition is Build Me Up Buttercup, you just block <laughs> it out and you have to go with the beat, right? And still project that who you are. But, you know, hopefully you get some kind of 80s rock song, right? But Right. Yeah, so that's how I feel swing. Yeah, so don't necessarily feel like you have to be locked into one person's interpretation of the style of dance. If you do connect more to the sexiness in music, find a way to make your foxtrot super sexy. Absolutely. If you connect more to the seriousness or maybe you're just more of a lighthearted kind of person, you can find ways to interpret that through each of the dance styles. And and like Tiffany said, make it genuine. Put your own stamp on it at the end of the day. People, yeah, people can smell it when you're when you're fake. So, so just true. own who you are and that's where your sexuality lies. All right, so number six, we're going to talk about picking a character either for yourself or for your partner. I'll talk about my personal experience for a second. Um, as a as a teenager, when I started getting a little older, they started to talk to me more and more about character. Um, and at that age, I had already started to f- see my dance teacher as as a brother figure. He was very familial to me. So when this conversation started happening but I'd never even spoken to a boy in a romantic way before. <laughs> um, I, I was very not sure how to, how to handle it. And um, what one of the girls at the studio ended up telling me to do was to find a TV character that, that I had a crush on. And th- this is probably the most simplistic way to think about it, but as a 13-year-old, that's how I thought about it. It was to project this image of this TV character onto my dance teacher, and it was that mindset that allowed me to kind of relax and not feel awkward when I had to get very close to his face. <laughs> On the flip side of that, um, if you want to more like empower yourself, I've been here and I've taught many people that are this way, but if you're not happy with where you're at or maybe you're feeling insecure or maybe you've been in a, a very traumatic relationship or a traumatic situation, it's, it's very, very serious You know, I think Lauren would agree with me. Everyone, ballroom dances for a reason. Everyone does. And about 
2% of people ballroom dance because they want a ballroom dance. Yeah, it's so true. There's very few people that are drawn to ballroom dance that are there because they want to be the center of attention, which is, it's so, it's so crazy really when you think about it. Because when you ballroom dance, you are the center of attention. But so many of us that are drawn to it don't like to do that. It's it's always there to fill something else or to repair something else that you went through. And so if you're in that situation, like, let's just say, and this is a common scenario, you're coming out of a a broken home or a battered relationship. Right. You're not going to walk in and slap on some Swarovski crystals and some heels and feel amazing about yourself. Oh, that solved all my problems. Perfect. (laughs) And that's the moment where you can find the person that you look up to, whether it's fictional or non-fictional, whether it's... Maybe you just went on YouTube and you watched the Open Latin Professional Final and you picked your favorite dancer and you want to pretend like you're them for one minute. Yeah. Right? Or if you want to be a character on a, in a movie or in a book that you've always looked up to, you can just, you have that ability to just become that person for that five-minute heat. Right? Yeah, maybe you're dancing a waltz and you're Catherine and Heathcliff up on the moors, exactly. you know, from Wuthering Heights. I you love you that. can be someone else in that moment. And even if you aren't an actor, the great thing about dancing is you don't have to read lines. You're just that person for whatever, two minutes, right? Mm-hmm. At the most. And you can do that, you know, with the help of the music. But like Tiffany said, find someone that either you admire in real life, maybe if your teacher is older than you or younger than you, maybe see them as a father or a brother or maybe the husband that you've lost, like you've mentioned with students mm-hmm. who've lost a loved one and kind of make that connection, that part of the story, as opposed to making it your actual dance teacher and or partner. And it's not that you're replacing that memory with your dance teacher. It's that you're you're honoring that memory by bringing back that feeling. Like uh, a tribute. Absolutely. And, and one thing, um, I, I'm going to keep this person... Um, private for their sake, but had a really beautiful moment with a student last year doing some choreography and, and she picked this song and it was all instrumental and I was having trouble connecting to it. And so I just went up to her and I was, I was like, why did you pick this? And she wouldn't talk to me and she wasn't being straight with me for a minute. And then finally it cracked and she said, well, I don't have a relationship with my father anymore. Oh, wow. But when I was a kid, we did. And that song reminded her of playing with him in the woods, in the backyard of their house. And so what it turned into was her, her dance teacher was in a mirror, and she was looking at the mirror, interacting with it, and went back into that moment when she was young with her father in the woods and it was, it could have been a very sexy song. It could have been, but it turned into this really beautiful, different, different type of character. Well, and what a gift that is for you as a choreographer to know that backstory. Because if she hadn't been up front, maybe and honest with you, you would have choreographed something completely different. Really generic, yeah. And it w- might not have been true. She might not have, you know, this music that she had selected might not have come through in the way that she thought it was. And the thing is, you know, the audience might not, have needed to know her story, but she did. And then what she was able to portray throughout that. Absolutely. I mean, you, you Mm -hmm. were able to give her something completely different and that kind of touches back into, you know, there's so many people that ballroom dance and we all come from different stages and walks of life, but we all want to see something genuine, like a genuine experience when, when it's coming through. And I think one of the coolest things about ballroom dancing is you could watch five people competing in waltz on the floor at the same time and no one looks the same. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most beautiful things about it. So putting your own genuine stamp on that, picking your character totally agree. is so great. And that's where showcase and competition is once again different. You know, a competition, yeah, you're going to please the judges, but when you're performing at a showcase, what, 95% of the audience aren't dancers. Right. They just want to see a feeling. Right. So our number seven piece of advice for you, this is for all of those people who've been listening so far and gone, oh my God, this is not relevant to me. I can't relate to any of this. I still am not an actress. I still feel shy or an actor. I still feel uncomfortable. Number seven is called devotion to the motion. So I took this one from one of my coaches used to say all the time, devotion to the motion creates emotion. It's such a great phrase because basically what it means is that if you are 
putting so much of your focus and attention and energy into what you are physically doing, it's going to keep you so busy and you're probably going to react on your face as well because you're devoting your body to one specific action that you're doing. This does tie back a little bit into what we're talking about with finding your focus as well. But sometimes for those of us that are shy or are a little bit more serious or aren't connecting with our partner for whatever reason, and this is, I guess, another episode, but maybe you are in the wrong partnership, whether it's professional or pro-am. And that's totally valid. Yeah. It's not what we're talking about today, but yeah, we'll have, we'll create another episode for, um, for that as well. But for whatever reason, you don't really relate to any of these other points that we've been talking about connecting to the technique of the dance and the actual physical energy that it takes to do it Mm -hmm. can create an emotion. I I have to tell you, uh Going back in time when I was starting out and trying to figure out this crazy industry, this is the point that I personally relate to the most. I was such a shy kid and homeschooled and people that know me would not believe, they don't believe me when I say this, but (laughs) you know, I was really, really painfully, painfully shy and I didn't understand all this stuff, but for some reason I was so drawn to dancing and just finding that love when you get a new technique and you get to just, when you walk in the door of the studio, take off the outside life like a backpack and just focus on trying to get your body to move in this way that is really unnatural and and pour yourself into that and find there's a sensuality even to finding that technique within yourself. Yeah, and it's funny because there's really simple ways that you can portray something without even realizing it. Your teacher might say, drop your left hip. Mm -hmm. They might say, roll your right shoulder back. They might say, kick your weight to this side. And all of a sudden you're in this pose and in this posture that looks completely different than what you were doing a moment ago. So even just getting some advice from your teacher, you know, one of the most frustrating things in the world is for someone to say, be more sexy or be more confident or be bitchier because it's like, well, what the heck does that mean? (laughs) How am I supposed to do that? I'm not feeling it. So find a way to either through your teacher or through, I know some of us hate this, but you got to look at yourself in the mirror, find a way to sort of physically position your body with help that can portray something in a way that even if you're not feeling sexy, even the posture and the, and the pose and where you're, where your actual physical poises in your weight balance that can actually interpret that through that, through that motion. Well, and, and students, your teachers know how to teach this way because all of us that work with children, we are not going to just look at a nine year old and say, be sexier. Like that's right. really odd. That's crazy. So the first thing that, that happened to me that I was told and um, that I tend to start with, with my, my young kids is, Rumba walks forward, cha-cha walks forward, whatever you're working on, and say your vowels. That's so brilliant. I love that. A-E-I-O-U. And if you do that while you're dancing and you look in the mirror, it feels so stupid. It feels the opposite (laughs) of sexy. But what happens is it starts to wake your face up. So you go back to a line and you say A, and then your mouth's open and you're smiling. And that in itself starts to build that. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. perfect. And it also, again, sometimes we have to trick ourselves into looking a certain (laughs) way. The busy you are, the more distracted you are, Mm -hmm. the more you're actually devoting yourself to the motion, which is, which is great. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I did a showcase when I was, I want to say I was maybe 14 or 15 and it was like when I got really serious about it and I decided I wanted to do it. And, um, I, I worked so hard on it and I had a lot of coaching on it and I remember, it's so interesting in my memories of being a student. It's so tunnel visioned. And now looking back from my teacher's perspective, I can see that big picture. And uh, when I saw the video, I was kind of shocked. And my, my mom actually got a little freaked out because it looked so sensual ah. all of a sudden. And it really was not even a mindset. So just listening to very specifically, why do we want your right chest forward? Why do we want your hip dropped? That's going to create that picture without you having to think sexy thoughts. Right. Yeah. Just commit to the, yeah. <laughs> commit to the movement and that will be enough. <laughs> All right. So our next point is number eight and we're calling it filter out the noise. And 
was kind of funny when we were talking earlier. Our first word was ignore the noise. Right. And, and neither of us liked that because you don't want... You have to listen to some of the noise. Yes. <laughs> because if you didn't need to listen to it, you wouldn't need dance lessons. And right. Everybody needs dance lessons. Um, the noise. Ballroom dancing, it's really interesting. And correct me if I'm wrong, but for a while it was going to be in the Olympics... Yeah, they were trying to, well, they were trying to make it Olympic worthy by trying to switch over. So if you're new to ballroom dancing or, or, or don't know anything about ballroom dancing, it is, a, it's, it's kind of an interesting judging system. Um, you're basically, <laughs> if you're in the finals, like let's say there's six couples in the finals, each judge ranks you one through six and whoever has the most first places wins first, second, third, whatever. They were going to try to actually make it a little bit more objective uh-huh. by assigning a point system to it. And that kind of more like work. more like figure skating. Like figure skating, yeah. exactly. And when I talk to figure skaters and other people in Olympic sports, they're always shocked that our judges are our coaches. Yeah, it's so inappropriate. It's really hard to be objective about this sport. It, it, it's actually, it's impossible. And it's, it can be in a good way or a bad way. Sometimes... If your coach is a judge at a competition, they might place you higher because they want to. And not all judges are like this, no, obviously. No. But sometimes it can even work at a disadvantage where if your they're coach like, what is the one fuck? of the judges, you they're that. like, I told you not you to do that. Better than that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, it can it can have real uh, good and bad results. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so probably in the long run, it evens out. Right. right. But all that being said, everyone has a different opinion, you know. Everyone has a different training. Even in the studio that um, I'm currently teaching at, it's so cool because there's there's five of us and there's kind of like three different backgrounds. And so we all have different analogies. We all have different ways to talk. And it kind of works in a, in a really positive way. But when you're bringing in a coach from the outside or maybe a judge pulls you aside at a competition to give you some advice, that person is a hundred percent worth listening to. You have to listen to it and you have to try it in that lesson with your teacher, with your coach, you got to do what they're telling you. And you might bring in a coach a month later that tells you the exact opposite thing. Yes. And you got to try that too. So fun. (laughs) It's, It's great. And that can be super frustrating. But at that point, you need to decide which one of those movements works for you and your dancing and your routine. And it might even be different partner to partner. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's crazy too, how, how there's one of my coaches used to say this very funny phrase. I'm sure everyone's heard that opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. (laughs) So always keep in mind that at the end of the day, these are people's opinions. So Mm -hmm. when your coach is telling you not to take a heel lead in your rumba, listen to that. That's very That's important. not an opinion. <laughs> That's not that an is opinion. a fact. <laughs> that is a fact. Don't do that. But when your coach is then telling you, you know what, you need to chop off all your hair and bleach it blonde, mm-hmm. then, you know, maybe, maybe that would be fun. But if it's not you, don't do it. So basically at the end of the day, one coach is going to say, I need you to connect with your partner this way. Another coach is going to say it differently. And then you need to really try them both, right? So let's be fair. Mm-hmm. Try what the coaches are telling you. Try what your teacher or your professional partner is telling you. You know, give them the benefit of at least giving it a shot. And then you need to decide on your own because when when people tell you these things, either about how you look physically, like what color your hair should mm-hmm. be, what kind of costume you should wear, you need to gain weight, you need to lose weight, you need a shorter partner, a taller partner. These are all just people's opinions. And you really, 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 at the end of the day, have to filter out that noise, take the information that's valuable to you, and filter out the rest. I am I'm laughing over here. I'm laughing away from the microphone because you just said that. And so when I won my U.S. championship as an amateur, I had kind of a edgy emerald green dress. I had black hair, jet black hair, and um, I just really was me. And then as I was turning into a professional, I had some advice that I probably shouldn't have taken. And that person told me, well, you can't look the same as you did when you were a student. You have to be a different person. <laughs> so I spent six hours in a salon getting my hair from jet black to white blonde. Oh, wow. You got to show me a picture of that later. I will. Okay. <laughs> it hurt to shower. I had to spend like $100 a month to maintain it. I have 
dark, dark hair, and my scalp was just fried. And what they did is they they curled my hair, and they put jewels in it, and they custom-made me this hot pink Barbie dress that was down to the floor. Objectively, it was beautiful. All that work was beautiful. All the people I worked with were great, but I had a judge come up to me that had known me since I was a kid, and he was like, where are you? <laughs> He's like, I want you to go take a shower and come back and dance again. That's you just so look like you're uncomfortable. And I've seen women that looked exactly like I did, mm-hmm. that looked so comfortable and owned it, and it was beautiful. That was them. But it just wasn't me. And so I left that comp after some pretty bad results. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? And I, and I sold that dress. I let my hair grow out back to the color it was supposed to be. <laughs> and um, just went back to where, where I was. Yeah. And it all, I mean, I, I feel like re, really, as we're giving you all of these little points of advice, a lot of this really ties back into be who you genuinely are. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge part of it. Connecting with the music, connecting with your partner. We all want to see something genuine in art. And, and, and I feel like that really, it translates, like you even mentioned for people that go to watch showcases mm-hmm. that don't know anything about dance. I've had family members that come with me to competitions and we'll be watching the final round of a professional event together. And they'll be like, Oh, I bet that couple's going to win first. And I'll be like, what, how do you know that they are going to win first? Yeah. And it's just, and it's not because they're like, Oh, their technique was better than everyone else. They don't know. They don't know that. There's just something that we can see portrayed through it. And, and that's huge. So you do have to filter out the noise, take what's valuable to you. And, and be your genuine self. And at the root of that, like what we said at the beginning, let's talk about sex. Isn't that what you find sexy in other people? Yes. This person can be so weird that you're talking to, so bizarre. But when they're just super confident and owning themselves, you're like, I don't know why, but that person's really sexy. It's so true. And I feel like the more experiences I have in life, the more you just sort of come to realize that physical attraction or the way someone looks has very, very little to do with what draws you to them. Absolutely. And if you're hiding, if you're hiding that spirit, that that individuality on the, on the dance floor, we as spectators, we as judges, we're going to see it. So we come now to our final piece of advice, number nine, which is embrace your journey. And this is a little bit of a, I guess, a culmination of all of our points of advice, but it's, it's kind of just about being realistic with where you are as a dancer. So as Tiffany and I were kind of discussing some of these little pieces of advice for dancers, we decided that one of the most important things is just to realize exactly where you're at. So if you've just recently started dancing, or I mean, who knows, maybe you've been dancing for 10 years, kind of accept the fact that you may not be at the same point in your journey as other dancers are. And one of the most dangerous things that we do in ballroom, but I think in any kind of dance in general, is we compare ourselves to other dancers. And that's not fair to us and it's not fair to them. So knowing exactly where you are in your journey is going to be really, really helpful for seeing sort of the big picture of the situation. I love that you just said that. You you cannot compare yourself to it. I mean, in life in general, not that I'm right. here to give you life advice, but... Why not? Uh, <laughs> <Let's do it. laughs> uh, you can't compare yourself to another person. You don't know where they've been. You don't know where they came from. You don't know what opportunities they've had. You cannot compare yourself to other dancers except for the dancer that you were last week. Yeah, I love that. It's so easy to go, well, wow, I've been dancing for two years and this person started six months ago and they Mm -hmm. already look better than me. And it's like, well, you know, that's life. (laughs) Some people get things faster than others, but you are a unique dancer and they've got something else. So maybe, maybe you really struggle with, uh, lead and follow, right? Mm-hmm. Say you're a horrible follower. Maybe you're as heavy as a wall of bricks when your teacher tries to move you, but you've got a really, really expressive face and people can't take their eyes off you yeah, when you're dancing. Absolutely. So you've got things to work on, but maybe this person over there is is really great with leading and following, but they have trouble connecting. You know, we all have things that we want to improve in our dancing. So try to take away some of that outward focus on what other people are doing. And, and you're your own worst critic. hundred percent, right? Everybody. We all want to be perfectionists. We all want to be better, but kind of look internally and find out where you are in your dance journey. Are you better than you were six months ago? Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> if not, 
then you need to look at your partnership and deal yes. with that. Right? Yeah. And we are going to provide you guys with a podcast yes. episode on that yes. too, because that's a huge thing. Check in with yourself, decide where you are in your journey. If you're not quite ready for this next step, kind of enjoy and embrace where you are right now, because we all started somewhere. We all started from the beginning, whether we're professionals, whether we were students, Mm -hmm. we all had these points along in our dance journey where we had to kind of accept where we are in that moment. And this has actually been something that's been kind of big in my mind because, um, we just had our U S nationals a couple weeks ago. Um, and going back, I, I will leave this story anonymous again, but um, we, we had some students go from our studio that had never been to nationals before. And it's, it's crazy. Overwhelming. It is daunting. And I heard a couple of stories from the, from the practice room and the practice room at us nationals is directly across the hall from the main ballroom where some of the best dancers in the entire world are dancing. And if you're a bronze level student, trying to compete at nationals, you very well could be in the warm-up room with Karina Smirnov <laughs> and Yulia Zagorachenko and million-time world champions. We had a student who um, was warming up with one of our teachers, and she got really discouraged. Uh. She was getting ready for, I, I, I want to say it was international standard. And uh, she's like, well, I don't, I don't look like that. I don't look like that. I shouldn't even be here. And her teacher looked over, and he was like, are you serious? That's literally Victor and Anastasia. That's literally <laughs> the however many times like world that, you wouldn't champions. need to be taking right. lessons with you me. You would not be a bronze level dancer. Like, and he even went to the level saying, "How dare you compare yourself to that?" Right? How dare you? Like, you have to just own where you're at and just try to be better than you were the week before. I think the last tangent we had off of this too was. We're talking about being really open with your sexuality and your personality, but if you're coming into this, as many people are, like out of some kind of traumatic situation, you have to be open with that. Right. And and, and respect, Communicate it. respect that journey of recovery. Yeah. And we, I had a student who was that way, and she wanted to do a cha-cha show dance, so she ended up doing it, and it was Matrix-themed, and there was nothing... Yeah, that's awesome. It ended up being very hot, but mm-hmm. there was nothing sexy about it for her. Right. Finding either... Whether you take all nine points of these pieces of advice we're giving you, and you're able to use all of them, that's great. Even if there's only one that can help you connect either to your own dancing or to your partner or to the audience, however you want to interpret that, at the end of the day, be genuine to who you are, because you are are the only you. I know that sounds so corny, but you are a unique That's dancer. So true. Mm-hmm. No one's ever going to dance like you and no one has ever danced like you. So embrace that and and find the things that you love about yourself. It is about dancing with a partner, right? And that's very exciting. But we are also dancing as individuals as well. And you are completely unique and wonderful and an incredible and amazing dancer. And you've got to own that. Everyone is whole, perfect, and complete, just how they are. You just have to find out where your version fits. Exactly. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Dance Floor Podcast. Let's talk about sex. We hope that these pieces of advice have helped you, and we will see you next time. Bye.